The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness, where you know on every episode of the show, I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. And with that in mind, joining me today is Ashley Neese. Welcome to the show, Ashley. We are thrilled to have you here. Ashley is a sought-after breathworker teacher and author. She has studied with some of the world's leading masters in yoga, meditation, medical intuition, and somatic therapy. She draws from this deep well of resources to guide people back to their bodies where they learn beyond the cognitive mind how to cultivate resilience, an important word there, develop relational intelligence, and trust the wisdom held within. Her passion lives in the belief that our deepest and most profound healing occurs when we learn to listen to the unique language of our bodies. Welcome to the show, Ashley. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Well, I couldn't be more excited because, you know, as I've kind of trudged along here in my medical career, and I too have personally gone away from just the cognitive mind and everything that I know and all the chemistry and textbooks and pages that I've read over the years, and I continue to read and educate myself. I love it. But I do know that there's another dimension to healing, to medicine, to our bodies that we are just barely like tapping into, barely touching the surface. Tell us a little bit about how you landed sort of in this particular area of healing and and dealing with people and what sort of happened since. Um, I have a very colorful background. I, like I was saying before too, I grew up in Atlanta and I actually started out in college. Hometown, studying- hometown girl yeah. here, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> went to college in Atlanta, um, was an art major, and then went on to actually move to San Francisco and get my master's in fine art and worked as an artist and teaching art for many years and alongside was studying holistic healing arts. And so I had these two really interesting practices where I was kind of out in the world as this artist and then personally doing yoga and eating certain things and meditating and breathing. And it wasn't necessarily part of my art practice, but it was a huge part of my life. And I hit 30. 30 years old, and I was at this beautiful retreat center up in Canada, Banff Center for the Arts. It's so incredible. And I was teaching this beautiful, yeah, it's like Lake Louise. I mean, that whole area is just so stunning. stunning. Yeah, it was one of those like pinch me moments. You're like, how did Mm -hmm. I get you here? Um, So I was up there teaching this really incredible residency about love and connection. And um, I just had this moment where I was like, oh, I want to pivot. Like, I want to actually take my career in a different direction. And I wasn't quite sure what that was. But that's kind of where things really started for me, where I was like, I knew I always wanted to do something creative, but I, and I wanted to keep working with people, but just in a different way. So you talk a lot and a lot of what you have written about is about breath work, right? And, and how that may be the key, that may be the tool ultimately to healing. Can you talk about that a little bit for us? How you connect those dots? How did you land from an art background and talking about breath work and what have you sort of seen, you know, in your experience, how that really plays into how we feel, how we function in the world, the decisions we make, and then of course, how we are doing medically. Yeah. So the thing that I love about breath work, it is, it is the core of every mindfulness practice, right? Breath work is the core of Qigong. It's the core of Ayurveda. It's the core of yoga. It's the core of meditation. It's the core of so many healing arts. And so after so many years of studying all these different energy medicine practices, 
all these different meditation techniques. I also have a background in classical Hatha yoga, which I've practiced for over mm -hmm. 15 years. So, and I started teaching yoga in LA and it was when I was teaching yoga and meditation in LA that I was like, oh, you know what? Asana, teaching asana is beautiful. It's really incredible. But there's something deeper here that I'm wanting to get at with people. And it was the pranayama or the breath work that I was the most interested in. And what I loved about it was there was no kind of preconceived notion what is. You know, people didn't have to wear a certain outfit. They didn't have to stop thinking. You know, all these things that people kind of equate to yoga meditation. So kind of leveled out the playing, so to speak. And so I went in a direction at the, you know, trust of my teacher. He was like, why don't you just start teaching some breathwork classes? And I didn't re even really know what I was doing in terms of, like, was that going to be my career? I just followed my gut. And I was like, this is something that's really interesting to me because what's so powerful about breathwork is that when we change our rate of respiration, we literally change our thinking, change our belief system, everything follows suit. And wow. so while it's beautiful to do all these poses and they have like so much place and history and as well as like current wellness, there's like a deeper calling that I had. Oh, I love that. And I'm a huge fan of yoga. In fact, I crave my yoga. I've had to sit out like the last three or four days between travel and getting sick and all the other stuff. And I feel, you just don't feel good because you don't have that rhythm and that routine that you look so forward yeah. to. But it was interesting. I challenged myself uh, recently. Like I hate weight training because I love yoga so much, but I'm like, I need to get back in the gym and train. And you know what? One of the first things that the trainer said to me, he was wonderful, but one of the first things he said to me is as he was assessing kind of how I carry myself and all that other stuff, he goes, you are holding your breath and not getting oxygen mm. to the muscles of your face and your neck and your shoulders, which is why they are so tight. And as they become tight over time, they atrophy. And that's why I was complaining about shoulder weakness, which I was attributing to like picking up children and picking everything up on the same side. He goes, that's a big part of why your shoulders weak. You're just not breathing throughout the day. And I was like, Oh my gosh, he's right. I there, you know, I do a lot and I'm running and juggling and all that other stuff, but I'll hold my mouth and I'll hold things in and I won't breathe. And that's why I crave yoga so much because there's so much of an emphasis on breathing as you go through the entire routine. But when it comes to, you know, I'm sure some of you out there might be rolling your eyes at us and being like, really, they're gonna teach us how to breathe. But connect the dots for us, connect the dots for the skeptic out there who may not understand how important the breath is and how it's connected to so many things, especially as women, right, that we see today. I think, you know, people don't understand that there's a difference between breathing here and breathing here and then breathing all the way down into your diaphragm. But connect that for us so that, um, you know, we can all understand that a little bit better. Yeah, so I love I love skeptics. They're like my favorite students. <laughs> we welcome you, skeptics. Come on, yeah, in. I, I, I love skeptics. I, and I don't. It's funny because I don't come across them as much as I used to. But especially when I first started out, oh yeah, I get the eye roll. I started getting involved with a lot of corporate work in LA and going into like a room full of suits and ties and they're kind of oh, like yeah. their arms crossed like really this young woman's gonna like teach us something about our breath and, and I'm like all right everyone just take a deep inhale and as soon as everyone starts inhaling guess what happens their shoulders go up to their ears literally they're like and I'm like oh okay there we are and even just that awareness of like put your hand on your belly what do you feel right now as you're breathing I don't feel anything okay that's a really good piece of information just like what you were saying the breath isn't going all the way down to the bottom of the lungs which is actually really important for many reasons. One, that's where a lot of our parasympathetic nervous system receptors are. 
So when we talk about stress, so when we talk about being overwhelmed, when we talk about being in like kind of a constant state of fight or flight, we want to get the oxygen all the way down to the bottom of the lungs. So there is a reason ancient yogis are so focused on that long exhale. You know, science has proven now, you know, these ancient mystics have known forever. It's like, oh, right. We want to get the oxygen all the way down. So what does that mean? Inhale slowly, exhale slowly. And that will start to shift the way our nervous system is responding. And what's so beautiful is it's not necessarily changing what's happening on the outside, but it's changing for us what's happening on the inside so that we can show up and respond instead of react, right? Absolutely. So what's the right way to breathe? What are we all doing wrong? And if you have to, you know, tell us uh, a couple of hacks and tips, you know, um, show us how to breathe correctly, maybe. And then also, what are things to do when we can catch ourselves, right? Because we can all take a lesson, but then when we're in the rhythm of the day, we'll often catch ourselves not following what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And you know, something I hear a lot from clients, especially after that first session, and I love that you mentioned like, oh, there's these muscles here in my body that aren't getting enough oxygen and those muscles are really tight and they're starting, they can, you know, atrophy. And this is a huge thing. Most of the folks I work with are really using the upper portion of their lungs to breathe and they're not even accessing their diaphragm at all. And what we know is that the diaphragm is responsible for like 60 to 70% of how our breath is functioning in our body. So it's a really, really important muscle. Right? Right. And it's a, it's, it's really deep in the body, right? So a one way to access it, which I like to have people do, is just place their hand right at the base of the sternum, so kind of high up on your belly, and then just see on the inhale, can you feel a slight expansion? So can you feel the top of your belly moving toward your hand? And on the exhale, there's a softening. It's just a letting go. So there's no contracting on the exhale. It's just inhale, breathing in, feeling that expansion, of the upper abdominal muscles, and then exhaling, softening, just letting it go. And so that right there is key. I would say probably 70% of the people I see the first time I see them, that inhale, there's a contraction on the inhale. So the breath is actually going in the opposite direction that we want it to go for optimal Let's breathing. do that one more time just to make sure everybody caught it. So hand is going right yep. below the sternum. I don't know if right you guys can see me. Let's see if I can lower this just a little bit, but right below the sternum here. And yeah. then we are inhaling through our nose or mouth or both. Yeah. So inhale through the nose. Just not, you know, as long as you can go, it doesn't need to be super long. Couple counts. And then exhale through the nose. And as you inhale, see if you can feel an expansion into your hand. So those upper abdominal muscles expanding into your hand. And then on the exhale through the nose, it's just a softening. Another really great trick, we can try this now so yeah. that everybody can try this at home as well. Place your hands on your side, so lower ribs, just like that, beautiful. And then same thing here, inhale, now feel, see if you can feel your ribs expand on the inhale. And you're gonna feel yeah. your chest lift, that's beautiful. And then exhale, again, just soften, just let everything go. Yeah. And then inhale and really emphasize the sides of the body, so the lungs expanding out to the side. And then exhaling, letting it go. I like using the hands on the body because it trains our brain and it gives us that somatic, that touch piece that's really important instead of just sitting there like those gentlemen mm -hmm. that I first taught that were going inhale. <laughs> you know it's like, oh, actually, our lungs go out, they go forwards, they go backwards, you know, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is so like, that's a really 
It feels good too, doesn't it? It feels great. Like I was just thinking, this is a great reminder too, if you're sitting at your desk yep. to pull yourself up and take a big breath in, right? So many of us are doing that. I was doing it right now, like doing this. So just to pull up and teach that spine to be erect as well, you know, so. Yeah, and you bring up a really important point too. So when we talk about, you know, kind of primary and secondary breathing muscles, the primary muscles the diaphragm, which I mentioned, the intercostals, the muscles in between the rib cage, and then those kind of upper abdominal muscles, those are the main ones that we want to be focusing on when we're breathing. Most of us, however, are really focusing up on the traps, the upper lungs. So this is a huge source of chronic neck and tension as well. If the breath is higher up in the chest and higher up in the lungs, we're not going to even be able to use those lower muscles. And so there's going to be more stress and tension, which is then it's like, you know, we're in this circle forward on the computer. Like, right. yeah, exactly. So right. I, I love what you suggested. It's just like oh, shoulders back, hands on yep. the side, feel that expansion. Oh, I love it. Um, any other ways that we can check ourselves? I'm just trying to think of so many of us that are either sitting in carpool or, you know, uh, sitting at a desk doing work. So many moms too nowadays just work from home. So they're like hunched over on the sofa or hunched over on their bed, you know, other things that they can do to check themselves that, Hey, they may not be breathing. This was great. I think this using your hand under your, under your sternum, any other tips that you would give us? Yeah. I mean, one, one a huge one that I give clients is stand up, you know, actually like physically stand up out of your yeah. feet. Have your feet hip distance apart. Really feel your feet on the ground. Take an inhale. Lengthen your spine. Draw your crown. It's almost like tree pose, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just standing there and then just feel your shoulders kind of melt on your back and then just take a few breaths like that. So anything that's going to shift you out of that posture is going to be really important. Another great tip that I have for a lot of my clients, and this doesn't necessarily work in the office unless your office is, you know, in California, there's a lot of this out here. I don't know so much in other places, but you've got a foam roller handy. Just lay down on that. Take a few Ooh, breaths. Just anything idea. that's going to get your shoulders open, get the top of your body open. Yeah. I love that. I have my foam roller. I probably need to carry one to the office. I love that. <laughs> Um, how is breath work different from meditation, different from yoga, different from the four, seven, eight breath, which I was taught in my fellowship in integrative medicine, which has been shown to kind of lower anxiety, lower blood pressure, lower cortisol levels. Can you differentiate those different types of breathing for us so we can understand what they're all doing? Yeah, of course. So breath work is really kind of an umbrella term for any breathing practice that's done with mindfulness, that's done with consciousness and awareness. And there are so many different types of breath work, just like there's so many different types of meditation. There's Buddhist meditation, there's Vedic meditation, and just like yoga, there's Hatha yoga, there's Bikram yoga, there's Iyengar yoga. You know, there's all these different kind of styles depending on the teacher and the lineage that it's coming from. And breath, kind of the term breath work was really coined in the 70s for a lot of teachers who are doing these really intense rebirthing techniques kind of having people go back through, like be back in utero and then come mm. out of their mothers. And it was this whole kind of like transcendental oh experience. Yeah. yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> Like really powerful, really beautiful, really intense. Yeah. So a lot of my work has been around like, how can we not necessarily rebrand breath work, but how can we bring it forward and how can we blend a lot of these different tactics and tools and also blending the ancient wisdom with the science that we have now and create a system of tools for people where they can, oh, I've got a sleep issue, great, I'm going to pull this practice for sleep. Oh, I've got some anxiety, I'm going to pull this practice for anxiety. Oh, I want to like open up my third eye and do some intuitive work, great, there's a practice for that too. Like there's mm. all different types of practices that I've created 
that are really specific based on you know my systems based on my research based on the ancient traditions and based on what i've seen work in my client practice for so many years Got you. And what are some maybe the top three or four conditions where you've really seen people wanting help with breath work? Like I need help with X and where you've really seen results. Like when, especially when it comes, we have a big audience of women, you know, when, especially when it comes to, to women's health or even, I'm always fascinated by how much of this we could apply to children or to our partners. Mm. Uh, you know, what are some of the top things that everybody's looking for? Yeah, the top categories that I'm seeing that I've seen consistently stress and anxiety, and sometimes those can be like you know bucketed together, sometimes not. Um, but that's a huge, huge one. A lot of the folks that I work with are very, very, very busy, you know, and have like right. big companies and big lives, and you know, actors, musicians, all kinds of stuff. And so they're like, okay, how can I? And there's just there's a lot of stress, and so how can I learn right. how to self-regulate? And that's one of the things that I love about breathwork, it's a really powerful nervous system tool for learning how to self-regulate, learning how mm -hmm. to kind of not necessarily even manage stress, but create a different relationship with stress. So that's a huge one that I see. I also see a lot of folks who just feel stuck, right? Mm -hmm. So people come to me and they're like, I don't know, I just feel stuck. Like something just isn't quite right and I can't pinpoint what it is. And, you know, some people might call that a block. Some people call it stagnation, you know, whatever language you want to use. But people come to me because they feel really stuck and they want to be able to, like, move forward and they're not sure how. Mm -hmm. They've tried a lot of different things. Um, another one that I see a lot is um, a lot of trauma. I do a mm -hmm. lot of trauma work and a lot of uh, trauma recovery work. So that's a huge, huge thing. And most of the trauma that I work with is relational and developmental trauma not a lot of like car accidents or things like that. It's mostly like trauma that, you know, children have like adults went through when they were younger. Mm -hmm. So working that relational piece is really, really, really huge because, you know, when we're little and horrible things happen to us, our whole body can like go into a yeah. shutdown or freeze mode. And then as adults, we can be frozen. And mm -hmm. so how do we unfreeze? How do we thaw? And breathing is a really powerful tool. It's not the only tool, but it's one tool that I use to help people like kind of thaw their system and learn how to create safety and engagement and, you know, in the relational context, which I think is really important. So those are probably the like top the three. The top ones. ones. Why do people get stuck? What happens with getting stuck? What are you saying? Uh, people get stuck for so many reasons. Um, I think the biggest one is, is fear. You know, mm -hmm. there's so much like, well, I've been doing this, that same thing over and over and over and over, and I don't really know what else to do. And mm -hmm. the thing is, it's like, especially once we hit a certain age, like if we haven't been like actively engaged with a practice of like really working with our brains and really working with creativity, yeah, it's, it's like it, we can feel like there's no options, right? It's like our right. menu is really limited. It's like, well, I can go here or here. That's it. Right. And so what I love about the breath, again, it's opening everything up. It's really working with the nervous system to bring ourselves into a state of social engagement so that there's a huge menu of options. Mm -hmm. Instead of just right or left, like what if I go a little bit right? You know what I'm saying? It's like we yeah. can do these different degrees of, of change. And so I think that's, that's a huge piece there. And I'm curious about timeline, like especially – you know, first of all, is this something you do daily? Is this something that you do once or twice a week? And then if you do have a condition, like you are stuck or blocked or you've had trauma, then what are we looking at? Like what sort of rhythm of doing this type of work is appropriate and can bring about healing? Yeah, that's a really wonderful question. And it's so like kind of case by case dependent, but I think for folks who are stuck, and again, it depends on 
why they're stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually like that gets uncovered with a couple sessions. We're like, oh, okay, yeah. that's what it is. Um, but for them, it can be a practice, you know, doing, a, I always suggest a practice every day, regardless. It's just like drinking water or, you know, doing your dry brushing or getting your exercise. Breathing is really important. We already can see all the research and health benefits on why it's important. Right. And so it's just kind of for that reason, doing it every day, but to really move through things, it just depends on the person. And with trauma, I always say, as long as you've suffered with whatever X is, whether it's a behavior, a belief, you know, all these kinds of things, like I would suggest at least one to two months of like kind of intensive work, you know, for the amount of years that you've been suffering. Gotcha. And then what's the science say? Well, how does the science sort of put all this together? Do they say, okay, there's proof that this group that did breath work recovered from trauma better, this group did this. Is there uh, some data there that the skeptics would love to see or hear about? There's a a lot of research on breathwork for anxiety, breathwork for sleep. Some of my favorite research is on this really wonderful um, experiment that was done in, I'll have to send you the day, I can't remember the date exactly, but early 2000s on breath and emotions and mm-hmm. you know how our emotional state is so dependent on what's happening with our autonomic nervous system and our rate of respiration so to me that's really fascinating it's like mm-hmm. when we're really 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 <clears throat> happy our breathing pattern is going to be completely different than when we're upset and what's so powerful about our bodies and how they work is we don't even have to like physically be in that situation to like have those sensations playing out in our body so right now everyone can just take a moment and think about an experience that they had recently where they felt joy, right? And so just even take a moment now. Hmm. When was the last time in the last week that you felt joy? And if you can't remember in the last week, the last couple of weeks, last month. And as you put yourself back in that experience of feeling joy, what do you notice in your body? Your body calms down and relaxes. Right? It's like what happened? And it's quick. Totally. Right? It's really yeah. Quick. It's instant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there and, it is. Well, that's amazing. And I know we're getting close on time, but I'm curious, the medical intuitive part of what you do, I'm super curious about that. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So. Yeah. So I, I, I use it now like very, very differently than I used to. And I studied with a really phenomenal um, teacher up in Mill Valley and uh, for years. And, you know, I used to do like my practice, I would do more readings. It's like when you go to see an intuitive or yeah. go, you know, see it, have a tarot reading and the person's like, okay, I see this, 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 and this, and this, this, and this. And what I found in that practice was that it was just, you know, people would leave and they'd get all this information. But then I was kind of feeling like, hmm, like that's not actually very empowering. Mm. Um, for me, it didn't feel like I was really empowering people. And what I found in my practice now is it like the art of a really like, well-timed question or a really thought out pause or holding the space in just a slightly different way actually allows the client to find that answer on their own. And mm-hmm. that to me was just like, that was it. I was like, I don't want to do that work anymore. And not that it doesn't influence or show up in what I do, right. but it, it, I don't kind of read people anymore. And it's, it's really powerful. Interesting. Well, you've written about breath work. You have some tools about breath work. Tell us what's available to any of us who may want to dig deeper or learn more about your work. What's the best way to kind of go about that? Yeah, so I have a book. It's kind of everywhere books are sold. It's called How Mm -hmm. to Breathe 25 Practices for Calm, Joy, and Resilience. And it's exactly what it sounds like. There's 25 practices in there, everything from kind of dealing with anger to connecting with your partner, your children, sleeping, all different kinds of stuff. It's a really beautifully laid out book. 
lots of tactical tips in there, lots of research, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's exciting this year that book's going to be coming out in Chinese, Korean, and Czech. Um, it's already out in the wow. UK as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of going out there and finding its way, which is really cool. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Wonderful. I know. It's really wild. We're like, okay, it just keeps like expanding and growing. And to yeah. me, it's just also a testament to like all the work that all of us are doing in the wellness right. space. It's becoming like larger and larger and more yes. and more people are getting on board. Um, Very much so. It's cool. You know, someone asked me the other day, they were like, oh, do you like think it's problematic that this is becoming mainstream? And I was like, oh my gosh, of course not. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm in the opposite camp. I'm like, bring it to everyone. Yes. No I'm kidding. Like, you know, know. I was called a quack for I don't know how long. <laughs> so to see it like shift where everyone wants a piece of it, I think is amazing. You know, yeah, so me too. that's I'm awesome. Like, um, and then what about like connecting with you? Like, are you on Instagram, Facebook? Where are you? How do we find you? I'm mostly on Instagram at Ashley underscore niece. I do take quite a few social media breaks every year, but I'm, when I'm, on there, you. I'm on there, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. yeah, it's really, I'll just like go off for like months at a time. It's, it's really good for me though. I got to do it. Um, and then I also send out a weekly newsletter and that's actually my favorite place to really connect with people. And I write really long letters and send out tons of tips and things like that. So awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your work, your breath work with us on this episode of Superwoman Wellness. I think something as simple, you know, one of the biggest criticisms of the wellness space is that it's expensive and it's complicated and it's inconvenient and you have to like, you know, buy organic and all this other stuff. But there's so many tiny, simple things that make such a tremendous difference when it comes to our bodies and our healing and our emotional state. And this is just a classic example of that. It doesn't cost anything to breathe, guys. In fact, we really want you to breathe. So, so get out there and breathe. Practice breath work. Connect with Ashley. She's got all kinds of tools to help really make that a reality. It's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to make it a reality and something very practical in your life. And her website again is Ashley Neese. It's N-E-E-S-E.com and she's on Instagram as well. Ashley, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to teach us all of this important information. I really appreciate it. And for everybody else, thank you for joining this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Remember, we are now on Spotify as well, so you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys all. Take a deep breath. I'll see you guys all next time. <laughs> Take care.